Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. A returning guest and group on today's show, Hopeful Solutions, were here a few years ago and they are finally back Friend of the show, Aliyah Henry, hooked me up with this interview in studio. I have two representatives of this organization. We're going to start off with Natalyn Walton. She is their founder and executive director. Thank you for coming back. It is great to see you again. Thank you so much for having us, Nick. How have you been? Great. We've been growing and blossoming and transitioning and just continuing our mission to make a difference. So that is why you are here. I heard a lot of stuff about new things going on at Hopeful Solutions. Let's start off, though, with what Hopeful Solutions does. Who are you guys? What do you do? Okay. We are uh, a nonprofit organization, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that uh, empowers single mothers in recovery uh, from substance abuse. And what we do is we provide them with holistic support that's needed to sustain sobriety, gain financial stability, and maintain self-sufficiency while living with their children. The core of our program services addresses the mental health that the mothers um, may have, as well as the issues that may come with, that are associated with uh, homelessness and substance use disorder. Our primary focus is to provide a safe and stable environment for the mother and their children. Uh, We assist with housing and um, wraparound services, supportive services, spiritual foundation, and any other um, support that they may need based on their case-by-case or individual needs. And our vision is that we will restore their dignity and uh, just help them get back to a healthy and nurturing state of being with their children. How long has the organization been around? We've been around since 2008. That was the day, well, we were incorporated in 2005, but our services began, our first families we served in 2008. And how long have you been with them? Since 2005. So you've been there from the beginning. From the beginning. You are the founder. I am the founder, the visionary, the bright idea person. (laughs) (laughs) Why... Did you have to start this organization? What was it in your life that made you think, I need to start an organization like Hopeful Solutions? Uh, I am in recovery myself. I've been in recovery since 2003. And it was something that I saw uh, as I was traveling my journey of recovery. I saw a lot of mothers uh, doing my support groups uh, that were coming in who didn't have a place to go after they um, got out of treatment or got out of jail, whatever the situation was. And they had children and they were in need of a safe place to go that would provide them with the support that they needed with their children. And so because I understood what it meant to be in recovery and some of the challenges that one would face in that journey or that process, um, I thought it was hard for me without children I couldn't imagine what it was like for a woman with children that that did not have anywhere to go. 
Thus, I thought um, they needed hope and they needed solutions. And the um, because one thing about hope, it's 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 a good idea and it's a good feeling. But without practical solutions, it just kind of fades away. And so I wanted to make sure that the mothers had both. And thus we came up with hopeful solutions. Why base the group around the idea of hope? You probably could have latched onto a couple of different ideas that would help people that are in the situations you're talking about. Why was it important to focus on hope? Hope gives them the idea that there is a chance that things will change. And we wanted them to believe that. We wanted them to know that now that they had made that commitment to change their lives, to get their lives back on track, that we wanted them to believe that there was information, resources, and support out there that would help them to do that. And so that's why we homed in on the hope, because it just gives you the belief that things will change. Was that instilled in you when you were getting clean? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That was one of the principles that I really thrived off of um, in order to maintain my recovery. Um, I, I, people just kept telling me, you, ha- you cannot give up hope. Because if you do, then you're not going to believe that you are worthy, that you uh, that there are there's help for you. You're just not going to act on that based on the lack of hope. At the time, did you understand hope? Did you understand what that was or did it take you a long time to understand what hope was for you? Actually, it took. Along, it took some experience. Let me put it that way. It took some experience and some evidence that um, hope was real. That if I held on to the hope, then things would change. But that was because people began to show up in my life. People began to help me. They began to reach out to me. They understood. I surrounded myself with people who were just like me, who had been down the path that I had been down and had found hope and found uh, solutions and had changed their lives. And so based on their experience, I began to believe. And that was that just strengthened my hope. Does it prove this cascading effect idea where if you start removing negative and you start adding positive, that good things start showing up, good people come back into your lives, things start happening that are good as opposed to just an endless avalanche of bad news. Absolutely. And that has been evidence with our mothers um, because we want to surround them with or put them in a nurturing, healthy and supportive environment. And so as a result, their old relationships, um, the positive ones began to come back into their lives. They were reunited with family members, uh, parents, siblings, um, maybe children who had been removed from their lives um, because of their addiction. But now they are getting those relationships back, which were positive uh, in their lives prior to their using. What is more important in these situations? Is it repairing those old relationships or is it building new ones and, and, and forcing yourself into a new life? I could see the benefit of both of those. Mm-hmm. And it is. It, it It's both. It's a parallel uh, because... A lot of because of the disease of addiction um, and the drug use, a lot of the most significant and important relationships were severed because the family just could not handle the destruction and the harm that was being caused by that. So they want to rebuild those relationships. And as a result of that, they're able to get new relationships like uh, job, being on a job, um, 
hanging out with their children um, that may have been removed from their lives, as I mentioned before. So these new healthy relationships going to, I don't know, um, camping events. Uh, we provide a lot of activities for the mothers. So getting and established relationships with new resources that will help them to continue their journey of recovery. Those kind of relationships are the ones that are available to them now that they are clean. And that's what we use. For those that are successful in the program, how do you keep that idea of hope with them? Because they've achieved the things that they want. Or is there a shift to a different mentality when people are clean and they're on their way? They're doing good. Well, actually, the hope, um, and we call them spiritual principles, they are pretty much strengthened. The hope is strengthened, again, because of the experience. So they just continue to build on that. They continue to grow, and they begin continue to believe that this is not just enough. Just because I've gotten a place to stay, my kids are back, and family members are later inviting me to social family events and so forth, they began to strive for more. They began to believe that they can achieve more. So now those old dreams that have just kind of been dormant are awakened. And so they began to maybe seek a promotion or they began to go to school or they began to um, just believe that they can be better than just enough. There isn't a list of things to do. You achieve certain things. It empowers you to continue and do things that you didn't think were actually possible. Absolutely. Especially at a certain time in Absolutely. your life. Absolutely. When you started the organization, you had been sober for about two years. Yes. And then you decided to do this. Had you worked in this area at all before? No, I hadn't. I actually, um, I have a master's degree in education. So it was all about children, which was a combination of of which kind of, well, let me say, it helped um, motivate me to help the mothers because I knew the need for the children was really important, that they needed a strong, stable environment. And the only way they were going to get, the, well, not the only way, but one of the ways would be through a, a safe and healthy environment with their mother. And so I had no idea. Did you start the organization for those kids or was it for the mothers? Because you mentioned that twice. You mentioned the mm -hmm. kids twice. And with your background in education, were the kids the driving factor for this? The, the children were the driving factor. It, they were. that. I'm glad you asked that. But that was what was the most important thing was the children um, because um, they just needed a, a mother. You know, children are very forgiving. And I wanted to make sure that they were in an environment that with their mother. Was there an instance that made you latch on to that idea or was it just years of seeing this stuff? Just years of seeing that, um, just believing that, um, there was, well, there was, I guess one incident that just really triggered the whole idea. Uh, I was in a, um, a support group and a mother came in with two children. Uh, one was a, a toddler and one was in, uh, an infant. And uh, she was just crying because she had just been discharged from a treatment facility. And a lot of times the treatment facilities, uh, they do the best that they can. But when their funding is up and the time is up, it's time to go and they'll send them to a shelter. Um, and she was just horrified about taking her children to a shelter and she couldn't return to the old places and things and people. Uh, and she was in tears because she just had 
nowhere to go. And of course, the shelter, you can only stay there for a certain length of time. So she was just, she just didn't know where to go. And that's when it sparked. It's like, my gosh. Do you know what happened to her? Uh, actually, she became, a. Uh, she was um, eventually, not right away, but she became um, one of our first clients. I was going to ask about how you, you started. You've got to, when you start an organization like this, you have to start bringing people in. Absolutely. So she was one of the first people she that was, was a part first. of Hopeful mm-hmm. Solutions. That mm-hmm. was kind of where it started. It took, mm-hmm. it took us about, we just, you know, I reached out to her um, because she kept coming to meetings. She was determined. And that's what we look for, mothers who are determined, who have really committed to a new li- way of life. And so we just kept in touch. We just kept uh, she became a member, a part of my support network, uh, or I became a part of hers, and we just kept talking and talking. It's like I'm going to work on this, and um, we helped her with um, some other resources that kind of kept her in a safe environment. And as soon as uh, we were able to get our housing vouchers with the Dallas Housing Authority, we connected with her. Nellen Walton is the founder and executive director of Hopeful Solutions. You can find them online at hopefulsolutionsdallas.org. Let's talk about the services and programs that you provide to people that come to you. What are some of the main things that you guys do? The main thing that we do is we provide um, housing. But parallel to that, which is another main thing, is we provide uh, recovery support. That's the core of our program. Um, So once people are done with the initial process of rehab mm-hmm. is that when you guys step in yes mm-hmm. and we just want to be that bridge we're that continuum of care where we make sure that they do maintain uh relationships with their support we want to make sure that they continue to work a 12-step program they get a sponsor because this is a lifetime i don't want to say a disease but it's a lifetime mental health issue to make it prettier um but uh <laughs> commitment <laughs> commitment yes okay i like you thank you there so you much go. nick a lifetime commitment and so we want to make sure that they understand that so we have um a certified peer recovery support specialist that meets with them on a regular basis so that we can talk about day-to-day life issues that I guess uh, someone who doesn't have this issue in their life they can get over w- Uh, I don't know, a bad day of several rejects. How is that different than a sponsor? Um, Well, uh, uh, the peer recovery support specialist, she's just there. A sponsor is someone that will work, take them and work them through a 12-step process. The peer recovery support specialist is just someone who walks along beside them to just talk to them about certain issues that they may be having. Uh, But the sponsor goes in a little bit more in-depth. real deep personal issues that they may be having. And they're just pretty much there to take them through the 12 steps. But the peer recovery support specialist just is more, um, I don't know, just a little bit more available. How long are people normally a part of the organization? Because they are, they have a place to go. They have a place to live. Mm-hmm. What, what's a typical stay within Hopeful Solutions? Right now where we are, um, they can stay as long as they really want. We don't, it's it's a lifetime relationship. Uh, we have uh, the emergency program, which is our jumpstart program for individuals that come in and need uh, emergency shelter. We have the New Directions program where they're pretty much transitioned into 
housing assistance, so to speak. And then we have the WINGS program where they are pretty much independent on with their financial responsibilities. And once they're in the WINGS program, they're in for life. If they ever need to come back to us and, you know, life happens. And as you are building your life and kind of getting back into the swing of understanding what it means to be responsible employee, a responsible tenant, a responsible mother, things happening that you didn't plan for. So they need a flat, they have a flat tire, car breaks down, they need diapers, school supplies, whatever. We're always there for them. The mothers know upon their um, leaving our housing community and going out on their own that they can always call and I need a bus pass or I need a gas card. We're always there. It's just a lifetime. What kind of impact does that have for these mothers? The idea sometimes that you have someone to call, it takes a lot of weight off Mm -hmm. of your shoulders. Everybody runs around with stress all day, every day, kind of just the human condition. But I think it's made easier when you know that you have somebody that you can count on. Mm-hmm. What impact does that have for the people that are with you guys? It's 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 a huge impact. A lot of our mothers uh, will come to us, and it takes them a minute to ask for help. It, it takes them a minute. Is it to a get trust there. issue? Is it a they've never had this opportunity before? Why? It's always tough for people to ask for help, but I, I think this is going to be extreme examples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely, it's they have never. I'm not going to say they've never had anyone to um, give them the help, but they're so it's so important for them to be independent for the self-esteem. It's I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to I'm going to make it on my own. I can do this. I've been um, I've been slacking in the area of being a good mother. So now I'm out to prove to the world that I can do this on my own. And so we have to let them know that. You can ask for help. People are here to help you. You cannot do this alone. And so it helps them to build a trust. It helps them to uh, strengthen their hope. It helps them to have faith in and uh, lean on someone when they we know them and we encourage them. We'll follow up with them. And sometimes we, we don't force it on them. But when we have events and things that are going on where there are... Um, materials or supplies or anything that they need we're giving away clothes or we've got free clothes or 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 school supplies we'll call them because we just want to just let you know just come on and join in the fun we put it like that so how are the kids involved with this whole process we're talking about really hard stuff Absolutely. Well, what we do is we provide um, therapeutic activities for the children because the mothers are on their path in recovery, but so are the children. The children are recovering from some pretty adverse childhood experiences. And so we want to make sure that we address their needs. We have things like horse therapy. Uh, We're now creating a garden, which is for horticultural therapy for the mothers and the children to get out there and be a part of that. We have um, a partnership with Rainbow Days. They come in and do peer um, support for the children to help them build their self-esteem, to believe that they can. Um, They, um, I can't remember the little saying, but it's so cute. But we make sure that the children have their own experience of recovery as well. And you say, and and they are, kids are relatively resilient. And Mm -hmm. you also said, which I thought was interesting, that they're forgiving. How do you make sure that these kids are actually doing better and not shrugging it off 
but it's still weighing on them. Mm-hmm. Where? Mm-hmm. H- how do you focus on that? So what we do is we monitor the children. Uh, we watch them very closely. Um, if they are, we have activities and one example that I always use is we had a children's room and the children would come in if the mothers were new the children would come in of course they would be clinging to the mother uh, because they were afraid that if I let you go chances are I go back into the room you may not be there and you've been disappearing for months you told me about that the last Mm -hmm. time that you were here I remember you saying that Mm -hmm. and so now that we're in the new location um, the idea that the children want to come and play with the other children and and they're just moving around and but if the the children are clinging and holding then we we want to address that Uh, they can because they still do that sometimes they'll go outside they'll play and then they'll come back in just to check and make sure that their mother is there. But as long as they're able to just freely move around, then we know that the house, the home is uh, is a nurturing environment for the children. They feel safe. They feel uh, trusting of their mothers. So we have to watch that because they the children have to begin to trust their mothers. Um, they be, They have to be able to believe that what you say is true. And so we teach the mothers or help the mothers understand be honest about what you're telling your children. You know, let's not make up stuff and, you know, oh, mommy's going down the street, you know, whatever. Be honest with the children. So that's what we push because that's what's going to build it. Is that hard or a good thing for the moms that are at that stage, that process, where the kids are maybe they're doing good, but they're still checking? I can see that kind of going both ways. Mm-hmm. How does that experience work out for the moms? So that's part of our peer recovery support um, because we teach them that uh, we, well, we let them know that it's going to be a process. It's a process. You're going to have to just uh, accept that reality of the harm that you've caused your children or the fear that you've placed in them and just keep showing them something different. So, yeah, it is hard, but it is what it is uh, with them. And they just have to begin to continue to practice their recovery process. And we tell them about, you know, spiritual principles of acceptance and um, surrender and owning, taking responsibility for the part that you played in this and not be so frustrated because it, it can be frustrating, especially for the older children who the younger children are a little bit, mm, I'm just glad mommy's here. You know, they told me the story. I believed it. But for those older children that are maybe 10, 13, 14, they, they know, know what's going on. They know. And so that's a challenge for them. So we help the mothers in their process of of being honest, being uh, open to hearing what the children say. And if if it gets to be too much, because our peer recovery support specialists can only do so much. If it gets to be too much, then we will send them to uh, individual family counseling to let a professional take care of that. Let's talk about some of the newer things that you guys are getting into. How has the organization changed since the last time that I talked to you? Well, we have uh, changed quite a bit. We've relocated, um, and we are really happy about it. We were initially uh, being funded. Our housing program was being funded through the Dallas Housing Authority a special project-based voucher program. That stopped because it was a location-based and because the uh, owner of the apartment complex decided that they no longer wanted to honor the vouchers through the Dallas Housing Authority, Mm. we had to relocate. And we relocated to uh, the Highland Park Apartments, which are in the southwest sector of Dallas. 
and uh, but it's our own community. We now have 24 apartment units that are in a gated community, uh, gated area. You have to have a security code to get in. We have a courtyard for the children to play in, um, run free. The mothers are much more comfortable there uh, because now we are secluded. It sounds like that was a problem, but it actually sounds like it turned into a blessing. It turned into a big blessing. Uh, We get to have events there. And again, we are starting our garden there. Uh, The mothers actually had the idea of when they saw it, it's like, oh, gosh, we can start a garden. Our children can play. So... I let them go and see it before we Was it hard to finding it. this new place? Were you guys were you guys kind of sweating for a little while? No, it was just, you know, it was just a blessing. I was telling a few um of my colleagues about our situation and someone just came and said, "I think we have the perfect spot for you." And I went to well, I did tr- check two or three places, but this one place, it happened all within maybe 30 days of finding out that we were going to have to, I know. That's it great. It was a blessing. And, and, and we love it. It's just, it's a community. We Meant call to it be. Our communi- yes. We call it our community of hope because the mothers are all watching each other. They get to, you know, at the other location, we were a little bit more spread out. We wasn't were, it multiple locations at one time? Well, it wasn't. It was one apartment, but they were spread out. It was mm. 120 units, and so they were just spread out all over the apartment complex. But now it's all hopeful solutions in this little gated area. And so now uh, it, the, our funding has changed quite a bit. Um, we had um, seven mothers that came with us that still had the um, Dallas Housing Authority vouchers, so they were able to transition with their vouchers. But now what we have to do uh, in order to continue our services, we um, have the new directions program where we pay uh, 50% of the rent for six months. And then we pay 25% after nine months. And then we just slowly transition the mother or wean the mothers into uh, paying their full rent, which is still below market rate. Um, And then we have the wings program where the mothers come in and they are responsible for their the whole rent. But we'll we we'll, what we do is we help them with a deposit. Uh, we'll pay half their deposit and uh, their application fee to get in. A lot of our mothers may have a criminal background or no um, rental history. Their credit is low, and so because of that, they have to pay extra in their deposit. And so we will help them in that area. So a lot of our funding is now depending solely on uh, individual donations, grants, fundings, um, uh, fundraisers, so forth. So. Do the women keep up with each other? Do they start their own networks? Still a part of Hopeful mm-hmm. Solutions, but absolutely together. Oh, absolutely. And it's through Facebook. It's through a lot of it is through. I was going to ask: is it is it phone calls? Is it internet? How do most mm-hmm. of them connect nowadays? Facebook. Facebook, 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 and more Facebook. <laughs> no need to have a phone number. Um, but um, and they they just commu- they communicate with each other. And a lot of them, if there's um, maybe some problems or um, some issues that uh, may happen. Okay, I'm getting a little choked up because uh, we did just lose a mother to an overdose, um, and we found out she graduated um, five years ago. And um, we found out through Facebook that she had um, OD'd. 
Um, so th it, it happens. We don't have a perfect record of everybody uh, really making it. But um, What happens at the community when something like that happens? We mourn. Um, and um, we do our best to support each other because it's it's scary. And so um, we show up at the services, um, the ones who were close to her. And we just kind of just kind of lift each other up. Is it strengthening in a weird way? Yes. Yeah, in a very uncomfortable way. And of course, the question is, why? What happened? Um, she had everything, and she really did. But the people that are in this organization, they pull together yes. through these hardships. Absolutely. And that's and what this organization is all about. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have a very uh, high success rate. It still is 67% of our mothers who come through the program um, or have an experience with Hopeful Solutions can stay clean three years after they graduate. Um, they get a substantial amount of clean time. But we, um, in that process, though, they lift each other up. They support each other through the the relapse, you know, because it just it's just part of it. But they encourage each other, and you know, and we don't turn our back on each other. We don't say, "Oh, you got to go, get out, you and your kids." You know, we we embrace them. We, uh, what can we do? We'll watch the kids. You need to go to treatment. What is it that we can do to help you get the help that you need? And and don't shame them. Or <sighs> we just do the best we can to support each other. What does the organization need right now? What what can people do for Hopeful Solutions? Um, we're looking for volunteers uh, to help with. Um, Case management, we're looking for volunteers that will help with um, um, office assistance. We need, of course, we're always looking for donations. Um, we're doing a campaign, um, it's called the 400 uh, Hope Campaign, where if individuals would commit to maybe 5 or $10 a month and just donate an annual, just $10 a month, uh, to just help us with our housing needs and um, the other supportive uh, needs that we may have as far as bus passes, donations of bus passes, uh, gas cards, Walmart cards to help with underwear, um, socks, uniforms. Our children grow out of uniforms um, like nobody's business. So those kind of needs we have, we have more practical needs that just help uh, with moving forward in um, a practical and, and, and responsible manner. If people want to be a part of Hopeful Solutions, what's the best way for them to do that? They can reach out to us uh, on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, um, Hopeful Solutions Dallas, or they can contact us at 972-285-6848 and ask for me and just express that they are attempting to, uh, they would like to volunteer or they can go to volley.org, V-O-L-Y.org, and sign up through them as well. How do you feel? I feel good. All right. You're awesome. Man. It was great seeing you. I'm really glad that you came back in today. I really appreciate it. Natalie Walton is the founder and executive director of Hopeful Solutions. You can find them online at hopefulsolutionsdallas.org. Or as she mentioned, give them a call, 972-285-6848. Or just Facebook it up because apparently that's what you guys like to do. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you again. It was great seeing you.
Thank you so much, Nick, for having us. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.